Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Last week, just to kind of give you a recap, because today's message is actually going deeper from last week. Because last week, I'm not going to re-preach it. You can go to the podcast. But we ended our Relationship Matters series, and we talked about the three things that will help you. We kind of answered that last final question of, Mickey, can, can I change people? And before you come up with the answer, you just need to go listen to the podcast, all right? Because I talked about three characteristics that I believe that has to be a part of your relationships and that God does desire to allow you, through him, to help change people. And we talked about generosity, humility, and integrity. Well, today, I, I want to go a little bit deeper. I want to go a little bit deeper, and I'm going to explain to you not only why those three are so much a part of who we are as believers, but I'm going to share with you three opposites of why, if you're not careful, you're going to find yourself being stuck in life. You're going to find yourself being like, I can't move forward. I can't move forward in my relationships. I can't move forward in life. I can't move forward in what I'm wanting to do. I'm feeling dissatisfied. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling anxious. I know there's got to be something more, and I don't know what's going on. I feel like there's this spiritual warfare going on. And I want to share with you actually something that I've read recently that's a part of a community group that I am in. And so with that being said, let me just kick it off with this. I believe the heart of everything that we're doing, ironically enough, is exactly what Pastor Zach and this whole worship team was doing. It boils down to to your worship. I believe when it comes down to life and where we're going in life, it really boils down to worship. You say, well, Mickey, please define for me what you mean by worship. Very simply, what's the number one thing in your life? Not number two, what's the the number one thing in your life? Because I believe what's number one is what you worship. Now, I'm going to give you some freedom today. Do you know that God does not say not to love other things? In fact, God does not mind that you love some of the men in the room. I love sports. God doesn't mind that. Yeah, some people, I noticed we had a New Harley out here in the parking lot. I love Harley. Ain't nothing wrong with loving a Harley. There ain't nothing wrong with loving Tennessee Vols. There ain't nothing wrong with loving, Ale- well, that's, there's something. Look, let's pray for them, Lord. Just, but you know, like there's nothing wrong with loving your children. There's nothing wrong with loving your spouse. The only thing that God says is, just don't love these things more than you love me because he wants to be the number one thing in your life. Why? Because he wants to be the number one thing that you worship. You say, well, Mickey, I don't really know how I can track that down. Well, it's not real hard. You you, you can look at three C's. You can look at your calendar, you can look at your contacts, and you can look at your checkbook, and you'll know real quick what's number one in your life. But but the the kind of the example that I want to give to you is, is, is my wife is here, and and if I looked at my wife, let, let's say there's, you know, eight, you know, million people, eight billion people, eight billion with a B, right? Billion, eight billion people. And let's say that four billion of them are women. 
And if I went home to my wife and I said, honey, I just want you to know, now the 400 billion women in this world, baby, you are number two. <laughs> what are y'all laughing? I mean, that's high. I mean, you are number two out of 400 billion women. Like, like do you realize how high y'all are laughing? Because you'd be like, yeah, I'd like to see that. Can we put that on video, please? Because my wife would be like, uh, I don't care if it's 800 billion. If I'm going to be your wife, then I'm not going to be number two. That same concept is what we're talking about today. Where God's going, there's literally billions of things that are coming after you. And I don't mind if you love some of these things. You just can't love any of them more than you love me. And the word that's used there when we talk about worship is the aspect of idols or false idols or false gods. In fact, the, the first commandment is to not have any other gods before him. And I wanna just give you today what I think is the root of what struggles in most people's life that holds them back. Because I wanna give you today three very common false gods that are throughout God's word. And I'm gonna give you two different concepts of where they show up. And I want you to just, I want the kind of the blinders to fall off of your eyes today. Because it's gonna be something that you probably have never heard. And I want you to be like, well, now I know why I'm like this. All right, now I know why I'm like this. Because every day there are these three false gods that have been there from the very beginning that you are battling every single day. And it's what gets people going from change to being stuck, from going to be fulfilled to being like I'm lacking something. And so if you're taking notes, you can write these down. There's three false gods that are throughout God's word. And I'm gonna give you these and then I'll give you the references to where two places where they are, but they're actually throughout God's word. But the first one that's a false God that we battle that's consistent in God's word is a a God that they call Mamma, M-A-M-M-O-N, Mamma. And what this false God is, is it's actually the God uh, that is of possessions and power. And you can see it throughout God's word. and, And it basically has one simple motto, all right? The simple motto that it has is, is it never enough? It's just, it's never enough. Like this aspect that, that is throughout God's word and this false God is just, it's just this spirit of like, you know what, no matter what I've got, there's just, there's never enough. I just need more and more and more and more and more. And I'm gonna show you in a minute exactly where a couple of places that this shows up, even though there's a lot more of them. The second one will be one that's a little bit more popular to the ear because you've heard about it but it's the false god, Baal, B-A-A-L. And now this god is all about pride. It's pride to get power. And, and it's the concept that's out there throughout God's word, this false god, this idol, that basically says, its motto, I, I don't need God. I can do this. I can handle this on my own. And then the last one that we're gonna talk about is Ashtar. And it's this aspect that shows up in, in several places in God's word, but it's, it's the goddess, right? It's not a god, it's a goddess. It's the goddess of pleasure. 
This goddess actually shows up in your Greek and Roman gods as well. You hear of Aphrodite. And it's in particular the aspect of, of sexual pleasure in particular. But it shows up throughout God's word. And the motto is very simple. If it feels good, do it. These three false gods are at the essence of every single thing that you battle. In fact, if you will turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, I will show you how these three false gods show up even in the very beginning in the garden. Are you ready? Read with me Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was delightful to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise. So it, it's very simple. We know what this is. This is the, the temptation. This is when sin's gonna enter the world. And Scott, you can leave that scripture up there. But I want you to notice there's three characteristics that happens with this tree, and it symbolizes these three, these idols, these, these three false things, the three things that you battle every single day, and you don't even realize it. The first thing, if you'll notice, is it says, it's good for food. It's good for food. That's the manna that I was talking about. It's the aspect of greed. It's the aspect that, you know what, this is, this is something I, I need. I, I never have enough. I, I want more of this. Because the reality is, is what? Adam and Eve can have anything in the garden. You ever thought about that? Like imagine, just go with me on this kind of trip for a minute. If you literally could eat anything in the world and eat all of it that you wanted and you would be fit and healthy and thriving, but the only thing that you couldn't eat was a Snickers bar. But I said, you know, but you can eat anything else. And as long as you don't eat a Snickers bar, then you're gonna be fit, you're gonna be healthy, and you're gonna be thriving. But if you eat a Snickers, you're gonna die. Could you imagine to be able to eat everything? Reese's, steak, lobster, oysters, whatever, whatever you want. And then I come in and be like, hey, got a Snickers. You'd be stupid to eat that, wouldn't you? I mean, could you imagine if I could sit down at an all-you-can-eat buffet and get up at 165 pounds? And go back the next day to the Shoney's breakfast bar and get up and still be at 165 pounds and be in shape and be fit and have life and have things in me and be like, woo, this, that is what's going on. Literally, God has given them, made them perfect. They're in a garden. He says, listen, I'm going to dwell with you and you can have all of these things. There's only one thing that I say, don't eat. And it's this tree. And what does Eve say? <laughs> Eve says again, you see it on screen. That looks good for food. It's the idea that we battle on a regular basis that we're never content with what we have. We're always looking to somebody else and saying, you know what, I wish I had that. Boy, that, that looks good. I mean, my, I mean my, my car runs and it starts every time I need to go somewhere and it's very dependable, but... Man, that car, it had like a, like the display goes all the way across the dashboard. There's like a hologram on the glass that tells me that I'm speeding while I'm going down the road. Like, you know, when, when I lock my car and, and hit the beep, it goes, thank you for driving me. 
like we always want something. Remember when you have a house, all you people that own homes, you remember when you bought your first home and you were so thankful, right? Wow, God, thank you for blessing us with our home. And then you went to eat at somebody else's house. And you're like, man, how they know they can make ceilings this high? And wow, you shut these drawers and they just kind of shut on their own. Whoa, this closet. You can walk in this closet. Their bathroom, it's the size of my bedroom. They've got six spigots in their shower. When you get in there, it's like you just, you're, you're, in, a, you're in a waterfall. You just, woo. And all of a sudden, you go back to your house and you go, oh, man, I just, like, this is a great starter home, but this is not where I want to be forever. Listen to me. It's a concept that's been put in us that chase, makes us chase things that aren't worth chasing. And you say, where did it start? In the garden. Can I show you the second thing? The second thing is it's pleasing to the eye. That's the aspect of the shira. That's that aspect of, of pleasure. So not only all of a sudden was it like, oh, man, I... I bet this would be good for food, even though I can eat anything in the garden. All of a sudden, there's this like, ooh, I bet this would be good. Like, I, I don't want to refrain. Like, what if I'm missing out on something? Like, all of a sudden, it's, you have this battle inside of you where, where what you have is not enough. And not only is it not enough, but then you start thinking, but, but what if I'm missing out? Anybody have this amazing thing in the American dream called buyer's remorse? Where all of a sudden you wanted something so bad and then you got it and you got home and about two weeks later you're going, why did I get this? Because all of a sudden the payment came due, right? And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I can't go. Or anybody ever been on a vacation? Now I'm all for vacations. But everybody, anybody went on a vacation and get back on the vacation and go, why do I ever go on vacation? Now I come back broke, stressed, and got more stuff to do because I'm behind. And it's one of those things, it's because of the way we use it. Listen, this aspect of, of this asherah, this, this pleasure, this God of pleasure, it can be very intriguing, but it also can be very entrapping because we're constantly trying to figure out what feels good, do it. And then you have this Murphy's Law, or I call it the law of diminishing returns. In fact, if you've ever been around somebody that struggled with an addiction, this is the root of it. They try something for the first time and they get some sort of a high and the rest of their life they keep trying thing after thing after thing after thing trying to catch that high one more time. And what it does is it ends up sucking the life out of them. And then the last thing that you see, this is straight in the garden. It says, desirable for gaining wisdom. And this is the aspect of the Baal God, this, this false God of Baal, which is the aspect of the, like this this empowerment, this self-empowerment. Like, I'm gonna chase a real quick rabbit, be real careful here, but I'm not real big on a lot of self-help books. Why? Because you were never supposed to be the person that's in charge of yourself. Like, like the key is to, to submit to God and allow God to refine you and to allow God to renew your mind. And I'm not saying that you don't take time to, to better yourself. I believe in self-leadership, and I believe in doing things the right way, and I believe in being obedient to God, but you were never meant to fix yourself. 
And that's one of the lies that's out there. That everybody thinks that there's something that I need to do to fix myself. That's one of the things that's going on here in the garden. It's the concept that she sees this fruit and all of a sudden this aspect of this, this false god, Baal, and this, this pride, this power, like I can do this myself. Like, like not only does it look good, it looks like I can eat it for food and it's pleasing to my eye, but, but I bet it would be good for wisdom. Like if I had this, then I could be like a god. Because in God's creation, with God being number one and him putting us second wasn't enough. Now I need to, I need to be God. This also shows up, and you're not gonna see these scriptures, but this is the aspect of Lucifer's fall. You know, he was one of the three archangels. He was over a major portion of heaven. His problem was is, is he wanted to be God. Let me tell you another place it shows up. Turn to Matthew. Matthew. Matthew chapter four. Matthew chapter four. This is the temptation of Christ. Listen to these three things very simply. I'll start with verse one and it'll pick up on the screen in verse three. Then Jesus was led up by the spirit into the wilderness to, the, to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, now listen to the things that he said. The first thing, if you are the son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. There's that God, Asher, again. It's pleasure. If you are the son of God, then, then why don't you fulfill this, this appetite pleasure, this thing that you want, this, this thing that's there for you to, to get fulfillment. And listen to how Jesus rebukes him. He uses God's word. It's Deuteronomy 8.3. Man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. There's Baal, pride. Pride as far as like, like the power. Like if you're truly the son of God, then throw yourself down. And, and what's amazing is, is that Satan literally tries to use God's word against him. He starts, Satan starts quoting God's word. Psalms 91.11 and Psalms 91.12. He will command his angels concerning you. And on their hands, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you, shall not be put, you should not put the Lord your God to the test. That's Deuteronomy 6, 16. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all this I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. There's mamma. There's that God of possession. I'll give you everything if you'll fall down and worship me. And listen to how he responds. Then Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written. And he quotes Deuteronomy 6, 13. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. I want you to notice that, that in what I'm trying to get you, and I know this is a little bit deeper. You don't a lot of times come to church and, and talk about three false gods that are evident in all throughout Scripture. I mean, these are the three false gods that starts in Genesis. They show up in Deuteronomy. They show up all throughout the Old Testament. They even show up in the New Testament. It's something a little bit deeper. But they're the three false gods that we as humans battle the most. And it all boils down to this last part where he's trying to give him all of this. And he says, you know what? Get away from me, Satan. 
And listen to what he says. He says, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And once he nailed down what was number one with his worship, look at what happens in verse 11. Then the devil left him and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. See, listen to me. One of the things that we struggle with in our life is if we don't get the worship aspect correct, then we never get to the release where Satan leaves us, keeps messing with us, and we get the ministering of the angels. A lot of times we want to have the ministry of the angels, but we don't want to have the obedience to the God. Like we want to do these different concepts in our life to be able to move forward and not get stuck, but we want to have power. We want to have possessions. We want to have pleasure. We want to feel, are you ready? In Scripture, God's holy word, it's summed up, not my will but thine. In the book of Satan, yes, there's actually a book of Satan. Do you know what their main verse is? Do what thy wilt. See, listen to me. Remember when I said three things that are going to be a, a hub for relationships and for you to move forward? And I said generosity, humility, and integrity. The three false gods that are throughout God's word that you battle the most are the three exact opposites of those. Rather than generosity, it's mamma, it's the aspect of possessions. I want more, I want more, I want more. It's not about me being generous and helping other people and doing what God's called me to do. It's about me getting mine. Rather than humility and being humble, it's that aspect of Baal and it's pride and it's about my power and what I can do and I don't need God. And rather than the aspect of integrity and having character, it's the exact opposite. It's this, it's this goddess, right? It's this Asherah, this aspect of pleasure. Whatever feels good, do it. I don't have rules. I don't have regulations. All I have is this pleasure that I'm desiring to have in my own life and I'm gonna do whatever it takes to get my own fulfillment. And here's what I've realized. I truly believe that most people struggle in life and in their relationships. Not because they don't believe in God, but they just never take time to make him number one. They wanna accept Christ as their Lord and Savior because nobody wants to go to hell, right? Like, can I tell you one of my experiences as a child? I grew up in a church where they did revivals and they had a gentleman come in named Eddie Martinez. And they did the amazing thing on a Tuesday night where they did a hot dog supper for children. Why? Because evidently children like hot dogs. And then we went into this big worship center and it was packed with children. And this revivalist, Eddie Martinez, got up and literally preached a very truthful but very real concept of, of hell. And I'm talking about how hot it is, how painful it's gonna be, how horrible it's gonna be. Like it was, I mean, it was one of these things like, like, whew. And me being the amazing wise kid I was at age eight, when they got to the end of it and said, now, bow your head and close your eyes. If you don't wanna go to the place I just described to you called hell, raise your hand. Guess what I did? I don't want to go to hell. I just heard what you just said, and I don't know what that place is like, but I'm not going there. 
And next thing you know, I was down front, and I, I was in a baptistry, and poof, I was being baptized. You say, Mickey, do you have a problem with that? Honestly, I think there's a lot of people that had a real conversion experience through understanding what, that hell's a real place, and they don't want to go there. But it also should be accompanied with repentance and turning away. And then all of a sudden, I, I entered these, these teen years, and, and even though I, I thought I had accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior, you know what the things I was pursuing the most? When you looked at my time and my talent and my treasures, even as a teenager, they were going to, to baseball and wrestling and running around with the guys and chasing girls and trying to fulfill this, this longing that I had because of a loss in my life through my father's passing and looking for all these things. And I found myself, rather than God being number one in my life, you know what was number one in my life? Whatever I could do to feel better. I just wanted to have fulfillment. And then entered this 34-ish year old man who ended up being my student pastor who asked me to go fishing. And listen to me, for the first time in my life, it wasn't about fulfilling a pleasure. It wasn't about thinking I could do it on my own. And it wasn't about getting something more. For the first time in my life, I realized that there was something that I could worship that when I put Jesus number one in my life, that it fulfilled every single thing else. Now, for most people, You've never heard about three false gods in God's word. There's not a lot of times somebody gets up and talks about, hey, today I want to open God's word. And we're going to talk about the three most consistent false gods that most people chase in God's word. Like we're more talking about the cross and resurrection. But I think if you were to look at those things, the reason why they're so consistent is they're the things that humans have battled from the very beginning day. And the question I have for you today is very simple. How long are you going to worship them? You say, Mickey, I, 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 don't, I don't worship those. I worship Jesus. Well, then why are those three things more important in your life than Christ? Why do you spend more time chasing an American dream than you do in building God's kingdom? Why do you spend more time trying to get fulfillment, thinking that you can do it if you're just smart enough or good enough or, or better enough? rather than relying on, on and having humility and saying, you know what, I'm, I'm just a servant? Why do you seek pleasure so hard rather than being fulfilled with what God's already given you and what he has? In fact, let me, let me just read the way I wrote it down because I think it'll make more sense. By appealing to human appetites and senses, our pride and our greed, these false gods remain powerful tools of our enemy even today. As has been the case for the beginning of creation, the battle will always be over our hearts and what we worship. Very simply put, what is truly number one in your life? But this week, I wanna tell you something that's very serious. Not only does God have a major plan for your life, 
But the spiritual warfare in this room is just as big, and don't mishear me. When God's here, the other things can't run in. But the things when you leave here and things are battling for your life and and telling you that that you need more, and anything that's trying to just, just knock God down one's place, I just want you to know, there's a word for that. It's called idolatry. And from the beginning of time, the thing that God has spoke on the most, the very first commandment is do not put any other gods before me. And I just want you to know, as we get ready to get closer and closer to Easter and all the things that we're gonna be talking about, the things that I want you to realize the most is that celebrating Christ and his resurrection because of the life that it gives us is not much of a life if you're going to continue to seek your own power, pleasure, and desires. At some point, God's calling a group called his church to go make a difference and to worship him first. Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.